0: Hello and welcome to Let's Talk MedTech, the premier podcast for the medical device and diagnostic industry. I'm your host, Omar Ford, editor in chief of MDDI. And on this episode of Let's Talk MedTech, it's all about miniaturization. And discussing this topic with us will be Peter Van Beek, business development manager of Maxon I've had the pleasure of working with Peter on a webinar in the past for MDDI, and it's always a pleasure to talk to him. So I can't wait for you to hear this amazing conversation on miniaturization in the medical device field. So without further ado, let's talk medtech with Maxon's Peter van Beek. Well, hello, Peter. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? I'm doing well. And and although you and I have spoken in the past before, you know, over numerous projects, I think this is the first time that you're on Let's Talk MedTech. So I want to welcome
1: you to the show. Um, I'm happy to be here. Thank you for, thank you, Omar, for having me on the show. Uh, I'm excited to have a conversation with you and, and share some thoughts. Sure,
0: sure. Well, I want to delve into what Maxon is doing around miniaturization. But first, I want to talk a little bit about what defines a miniaturized component. What determines the size? What's the threshold for Maxon? And can you also speak about tolerancing sh- surrounding these miniaturized parts?
1: Sure. So, Maxon would consider a miniature motor between four and eight millimeters, approximately a quarter inch in diameter range. Uh- when you need a motor that has torque, you will be forced to select on the on the larger uh, size of that diameter. You know, probably in the six to eight millimeter range. Um, torque, by definition, is force times a distance. And if you look at the units of the torque, it's it's ounce inches, ounce times inches, or newton times meters. There's other Uh, measurements of torque, but those are units of force times distance. And to achieve torque in a motor, you desire the windings to actually be as far away from the axis of rotation or the center of the motor as possible. Uh, This makes the distance variable larger, and as you can imagine, that makes the torque of the motor larger. Uh, Engineering speak for why a larger motor uh, basically Uh, the diameter provides a larger torque. So, and you can also see the inverse of that. If you you are too small, getting down towards the four, you're kind of dropping off in the torque capability of that motor. Um, As you can imagine, the components used to construct a motor, housings, uh, winding shaft, magnets, bearings, sensors, um, these are the real true miniature components. For a six to eight millimeter diameter, the components are even smaller. Um, The manufacturing of these parts is highly customized and and handmade by highly skilled labor, I would say. Um, Traditional machining is typically not possible for these small components. Um, uh, One of the largest struggles in producing miniature components is this consistent uh, struggle with tolerances and and maintaining them over time uh, and for large order quantities and in some cases even measuring tolerance. We're speaking of um, micron level manufacturing. Electronics used in these motors are are, are truly cutting edge. They're they're typically using molding and electroplating techniques and uh, usually doing stacks and three-dimensional electronic um, builds. Uh, Similar to a a printed circuit board build, but you know, at a much smaller scale. Um, One of the primary goals in, in miniature designs is the simplicity, and as you can imagine, uh, fewer parts to assemble um, is advantageous. Uh, reduces cost, and um, the fewer the part count in your bill of materials, the higher the probability of all the parts meeting tolerance and coming together into design well.
0: Interesting, 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 and. You know, you touched on this a little bit before, but I want to go back to it. I'm just amazed at how small some of these components are. How do you even begin to craft these technologies? What is your approach to making these miniaturized components? And with that, can you talk a little bit about what differentiates Maxon from other competitors in the space?
1: Sure. I I think it really helps that Maxon is based in the middle of Switzerland, where um, all old part suppliers uh, of the old watch industry are are located. Uh, The expertise of these suppliers provides a true leg up for Maxon. Um, These component suppliers have been in business for uh, decades and uh, it's allowed them to really hone in their skills. Um, If you need to have a meeting, it's nothing more than jumping in the car and having a a short drive to get to uh, a neighboring uh, supplier. Uh, I I think Maxon has a number of collaborative partnerships which have existed over a long time. And that allows them to resolve any kind of challenges, especially in this miniature world. Um, miniature components assemblies, even um, the larger Maxon, there are, there is a, I should say, within the larger Maxon, there there is a specialized group of, of of individuals, a special team which deals just with miniature components. This team again is is located in Switzerland, and they're primarily working on medical applications. But uh, these are the true experts some of them are even i would say uh similar to like a rain man you know they're they're, they're genius type guys or women yeah, yeah um large part of um maxon's budget is actually a reinvestment in r d uh level uh, into that department and this continual investment i think has created many advances in the in the miniature uh, realm uh and the last point i'll make uh here is that in 2007 there was a, a previous CEO of a company, uh, Jürgen Meyer was his name. Uh, he uh, had a, a an epiphany. Uh, to start a, a different part of the company. And he, he wanted to call it Maxa Medical. And he wanted it to concentrate just on motors that were 10 millimeters and less. And his vision was that he saw that this coming in the future, that this was really needed to, to achieve the quality and the, uh, for example, a clean room that's used there and the, how handling of parts would be to really be able to achieve in in a true way uh, ISO 1345 if you're familiar with that quality standard. I think that's uh, now there's a number of uh, different uh, production lines within Maxon Medical, but I I really think it got its start back in 2007.
0: I want to bring the conversation now over to to MedTech. Um, What are some of the devices we see these miniaturized components used in? I'm not asking you to discuss customers, but give us a sense of where these devices have been used and what are the biggest segments of MedTech that are most suited for miniaturized components?
1: I would say the majority are actually probably in the are are in the body at what I would call active implants. Uh, some examples would be uh, in body heart assist pumps. So that's that's a pump or a drive mechanism in in the body near the heart or in the heart that's uh, assisting with the blood flow. Imagine that's very small. It has to be very small. Uh, in body and on body insulin pumps. Uh, and, and diabetes in in the world is is. Uh, ever increasing, if you've seen a chart of it lately, it's a it's a pretty strong trajectory. And uh, almost all those people now are using insulin pumps. The majority of course are on body, but in body is also trending. On body pumps or what you might call a patch pump. So this is kind of a disposable, uh, delivering biologics or drugs. And um, I, I'm gonna talk a little bit more about that later in our conversation. I think, uh, but it's, it's a trending thing um, I see coming in the future. Active in-body valves in the yeah. urology area, bone lengthening devices, distraction uh, osteogenesis, which where you actually, if you have two different uh, uh, legs that are different length, you can actually break the femur of the one that might be shorter. And um, actually you implant a, a glorified drive assembly with a lead screw. Um, that's in the body for a period of time because you're growing about a millimeter a day. And um, if you slowly move the broken bone apart, it's actually filling in and, and um, filling the gap continuously with uh, to make a new bone. And in the end, you're left with two equal length legs. So that's pretty remarkable, those things. And I would say any medtech device that has a very limited space might fall into this miniaturization uh, world that we're speaking about today
0: interesting interesting i want to talk about the team behind all of this innovation the maxon team and mm-hmm. and i what happens during a normal development project w- with the team and and just discuss uh what it what it's just like to work there and and, and the involvement in the
1: innovation sure first i I think I'd best to uh, start out to kind of describe um, Maxon's sales and our company structure a bit and and kind of how we work um, and additionally, how we handle different market sectors. Now, first and foremost, Maxon at its core is uh, an engineering-based company. Our regional sales force worldwide, whom any customer, if he came to work with Maxon, would interface with um, they're all degreed engineers or coming from a highly technical background with years of experience. Uh, the regional sales engineers would be the primary point of contact for any customer. And currently, in the United States, we have the country broken into eight geographical regions. Um, based on the application, um, a, de- a development project typically is started and funneled through one of our six business units. So, beyond the regionals, there's business units. And those include aerospace. Industrial, mobility, medical, which I reside over, uh, interlogistics and drive electronics. So each uh, business unit is led in by is led by an industry expert. Um, and 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 how does that make a difference? in and if you know if you're having a project with us, um, the business units uh, they they'll ask the right questions early on. Okay. and summarize all the details well and push or guide uh, the project literally through the company which results in, in a faster turns and for the entire design process typically a new project and first meeting are attended by both the regional engineer and this business unit head and um, what's discussed in this first meeting this first meeting is you know the application outline uh, we'll summarize the parameters Uh, the timelines for the project the challenges of the mechanism from a customer's perspective um, what their quality objective is is it iso 9001 or 1345 you know do some brainstorming in there we'll have some uh, costing what their cost objectives may be or any other special requirements Um, the meeting is summarized uh, to a great extent, by uh, a specification, a multi-page specification, which will be shared between companies and actually sent to the customer to to approve and look at, and drawings. Uh, and at this point, a, a project is officially started. Now, I'm gonna go a little bit off 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 of our uh, our topic here and talk about Maxon's project development a little bit, but I I think it kind of ties in into how we work. So sure, that's why sure. I, I I bring it up. Um, MaxON adheres to what they call a project milestone approach to projects and development. Uh, the project starts with the delivery, for example, of first samples. So you know, a typical customer will call us and we will select something out of a, out of the catalog if we can because that'll be uh, the most fast. Um, and this is considered um, in, our, in our development time uh, milestone one. And, um the next, uh, after after that, after those parts are delivered and the the customer is kind of evaluating that, in parallel, we work on a kind of just defining a risk evaluation for this particular project. because if it's a medical project, you know it's going to have some inherent risk in most cases, especially if it's going in body. And um, what that basically is in, entails is an uh, un- understanding of the risk to the patient. Change control requirements, uh, validation goals for both samples and serial production parts, and, and based on this risk evaluation, uh, a design FMEA is completed, um, followed by design verification. That, that's on Maxon side. Okay. And and typically there are there are changes between functional samples. When you send somebody a, a functional samples, they just stick this in your whatever this application that you have and. They're always gonna come back and say, I want the cables to be longer, I want the shaft to be different, and we're gonna have this drive element on there and and a whole bunch of other different changes. So typically it's not uncommon to go through a couple cycles of parts or assemblies, and then to finally get to what we call engineering samples, a design phase where it's kind of locked in. And, And most of the things that they wanted to change are complete. Now we're at milestone two in our development chart progress, shall we say. Um, this is typically then, uh, when, when you get to engineering samples and if the customer accepts the, accepts those, uh, final designs, then we can actually lock the design. Um, and by doing so, you can start look, looking at the process, uh, of actually building whatever mechanism or motor assembly drive, whatever it is, um, and, you know, well with a validated, production line and fixturing and tooling. And um, when this is all done, uh, you're finally left with, uh, provided the customer accepts the validated parts that are made on a validated production line with tooling and fixturing, uh, a serial production ready part. Now this would be something that is uh, truly ready to go to the FDA or the MDR and would be a qualifiable uh, for a submittal
0: interesting Uh, that's an amazing approach um i want to talk now i want to look at 2023 and i want to look at what does the future hold for maxon in other words are there any projects that you can tease what are you working on and and what does 2023 hold for miniaturization from
1: maxon's perspective Mm, mm -hmm. interesting question i mean i I would say We're continuing on um, more with the the, uh, particular applications I mentioned earlier with active implants. Um, I see a a huge push now with heart assist pumps um, more and more. Uh, Heart failure is also a big, um, uh, would you say, medical issue in in the country um, and worldwide. but I think one, I will mention one that I think is really coming. I alluded to it earlier, which is the high volume disposable um, pump. Uh, it, it'd be like a, what we call an on body pump. So it's basically looks uh, about this half the size of a pager or uh, uh, what would be the dimensions on that? I don't, I don't really have a good feel for how to describe uh, the size of it. It's, it is smaller. Um, and um, it is a disposable pump, and, and it's also referred to as a patch pump. And these pumps are actually worn on the skin or on the body and deliver a biologic or drug uh, for a set amount of time. And, and typically this is in the tens of hours, and then they're disposed of. Uh, this is a huge departure for Maxon because typically people come to Maxon because we're best in class and they want their mechanism, whatever it be, uh to last as long as possible and for brushes motors that can be tens of thousands of hours um but not and, and if it's an autoclave motor which we do sell in for like uh dental hand pieces or, or surgical tools where they have to be cleaned between uses uh two thousand times autoclave uh, now here now you're talking about uh, uh, a drive mechanism that has to last let's say 40 hours so, oh, what are the challenges there? Yeah, <laughs> there are many. I mean, it's a it's a huge departure for Maxon. So we exactly. have to look at, um, you know, how do we cost effectively? Because in most cases, this is a disposable pump. It has to be very low cost. Um, how do we how do we make things or manufacture things in a low cost and that are even the small um, and making making parts in high volumes that are handmade and typically labor intensive. Again, these have to be high quality, medical grade, consistent parts with uh, the required tolerances. Um, So it it is a huge challenge and and, and that's one I I think is out there. I see it trending uh, more and more so.
0: Well, wow. it'll be interesting to see just what 2023 holds for miniaturization and to to see these trends hold up but Peter, it it's been amazing talking to you i always love talking to you. you 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 have such wit such humor sometimes we have our conversations but it's good to the it's good to have you on let's talk medtech and thanks for coming
1: by thanks for stopping by i appreciate this it's been a, it's been a pleasure omar take care
0: that's it for this episode of let's talk medtech Thanks again to our guest, Maxon's Peter Van Beek. For more information on Maxon, be sure to check out the company's website at maxongroup.us and visit us at mddionline.com for all of your MedTech news. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.